looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this is Text Trek. But it's also <laughs> drawn to Trek. <laughs> Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vandorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, uh, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 261st installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new, and tonight is also drawn to track number 17. I'm glad you remembered because I'm just like a 16, 17. <laughs> like when I'm gone, I'm just like off track. I'm good with numbers. <laughs> you just, just add one every week so oh, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can keep up. But, uh, but yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 5, Empathological Fallacies, written by Jamie Loftus, directed by Megan Lloyd, who I... Might be wrong, but I think they... I don't recall those... Well, Megan Lloyd's a little familiar, but is this their first episode? Have they been credited before? I'm not sure. Megan was on another podcast, I think, talking about it, but I did not get a chance to see it. I'm not as up on the directors and, and writers as I should be. I was for Prodigy for some reason, but but not for not for Lower Decks as much. And there's a lot of them, too, that probably is part of it yeah and, and they've also been going for four years so they've had uh they're like far enough into the life cycle of that show that you know the uh the people working on it in season four aren't all the same people that were working on it in season one yeah exactly but i'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this one uh before we get into it though just a little bit of a uh, housekeeping per usual uh, i need to give a big thank you and shout out to the text trek patreon crew uh, so we uh, will name all y'all at the end of the show in the credits, but we like to celebrate with the Patreon supporters every month. We do a watch party. Uh, we have one coming up on October 14th, uh, Saturday afternoon, 3.30 p.m. Central. We're going to be watching a spooky episode for for Halloween time, so I can, I can announce it now, but we're mm-hmm. going to be doing... The Star Trek Enterprise episode Impulse, uh, perhaps better known as the Zombie Vulcan episode. <laughs> so uh, it's a good one. And it's also like an early credit for uh, Terry Metalis. I think he has the story by credit on it. Yeah. So maybe even his. Well, I guess he would have had. Well, I don't know. He didn't have any story by credits yet in uh, on Voyager, but he did have some in Enterprise season two, I think. Uh, but I might be wrong on that. I don't know. Maybe it is his first credit. But uh, that'll be that'll be October fourteenth, so that'll be fun, and it'll be seasonally appropriate because we're getting into October and getting into the kind of the the horror mood. So I say the other one that I would have jumped at uh, uh, jumped to my mind is the one where they're all kind of merged together in that white goopy string stuff. Oh, oh shit, Vac- Voxola. Yeah, it was a, a Latin. That, that title feels like a that, little but... bit of body horror kind of uh, <laughs> like creepiness going on there. Yeah, I don't know, like um. 
that's an episode that like i really i mean star trek enterprise is my least favorite star trek show and like i don't know that episode to me just always it just feels like very boring it just feels like oh there's like <laughs> actors with like slime on them just like uh i don't know just saying like bland dialogue back and forth <laughs> but you're um, not wrong I, <laughs> The, the early Star Trek Enterprise and early Star Trek Voyager is like the uh, it's the hardest Star Trek for me to rewatch, but I still rewatch it all the time. Like I don't, I still like it. I just uh, not not nearly as much as I like a lot of the the rest of those shows. But I yeah, yeah I, I love I love what happens in like the the back half of Voyager and the back half of Enterprise. I think are both phenomenal shows. The one that I actually love uh, on Enterprise watching just as like a comfort show or episode is Dead Stop. One with uh, Roxanne mm-hmm. Dawson editing it, or not editing it, uh, directing it, and doing the voice of the computer. Your inquiry was not recognized. That one is like just, and that's a little creepy too, because at the end, the station starts putting itself back together. Yeah. At the time, we were all wondering, like, oh, is this a possible, like, Borg origin story? Mm hmm. Could be. Who knows? We did that with Leyland and Control and Discovery Season 2. We're like, oh, is this going to be like a possible Borg origin story? It's like, we always try to make it like the Borg origin somehow. They're all Borg origin stories. That's the yeah. that's the thing he did. They're all connected. Yeah, they all assimilated together into one collective. Yeah. Speaking of the speaking of the Borg, you know, the, the, there is like the big controversy over the, the Blu-ray release for picard season three like that final episode you know the big episode that's supposed to be like the yeah. takedown of the borg it on paramount plus it opened with that tribute to the next generation opening credits but then right. on the blu-ray release it didn't have that oh and uh they, now they said like they're going to fix that they're going to put out like a new a new there's gonna be some type of disc exchange they're, I was they're saying, eventually yeah, going to print it better or something or I don't know what they're going to do. They haven't said what it'll be, but it'll. Hmm. they're going to do something. So I'm going to hold up. I, I hadn't bought that yet. So yeah, I'll yeah. wait. I can be patient. I, speaking of being patient, I have my prodigy. Hashtag save Star Trek prodigy. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't. It's been in my mailbox for two days and I'm too lazy to, to walk to my mailbox to grab it. I've been, I've like been working from counter. home. I haven't left the house. I just haven't, I haven't had a, other than just walking my dog out in the yard a little bit. I haven't had need to like go all the way to my mailbox since Wednesday, but those prodigy discs are sitting there waiting for me. So the same as that. mine. Yeah. Mine. Uh, I it was in the mailbox and I didn't realize that normally they put packages on the porch. So like it's been delivered. I'm like, no, it hasn't. It's like, did somebody steal it? And then I went to the, uh, the mailbox and was like, Oh, they just stuck it in here. But yeah. Uh, the other thing that like the prodigy, not prodigy, the star Trek that I got this week was the Yosemite shuttle from lower decks, which is, very cool. I think that Eagle Moss does really well with uh, their or master replicas now or whatever it's considered, but they do a really good job with larger models. You get a lot of good, really good detail. And I like that it, it does look like it's got key lines around it almost. It looks drawn in some ways. Yeah, that's like the uh, the largest scale of anything you can get is like an XL version of a shuttlecraft. <laughs> You're basically getting like the biggest model of the smallest ship. Yeah. So you actually do get the best detail that way. Yeah. Also, shuttles have really not as much problems with nacelles breaking off or falling off. Or <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're like boxier. They're just like, yeah. a, like a big like rectangular prism, basically. Like, yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. But yeah, they would be sturdy. Well, this is also the first, uh, not that we need to go into an Eagle Moss show, but the first stand that I saw that it just sits on it. There's no like clip or anything yeah, nothing like nothing slides in or yeah. anything i mean it balances perfectly fine on there but i imagine if there was 
you know, if it got bumped, it might easily slide off. You know how often ships get rocked around in Star Trek? Like, you would never be able to just, like, have Eagle Moss models on a shelf in your quarters. Anytime, like, you're getting in a firefight <laughs> with a Romulan ship, they would all just get knocked off their stands, you know? Yeah, in Lower Decks, where they were on the planet doing the uh, the recruitment, and there was a model of the Stargazer, I think. Yeah, and yeah, every the time, gazer, yeah. Yeah, every time somebody hit the table, like something would fall off of it. So, yeah, I mean, if you can't have Mariner just hit a table, you certainly can't have a firing at you and have a, have those models survive. And Boimler has that in his room with Rutherford. We saw him move it in there. That's true. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into this uh, this this new episode of of Lower Decks. I can uh, recap it by reading the official synopsis for Empathological Fallacies, and then kind of expand on that with spoilers. The name. By the way, I guess it's a, a Betazoid pun, so I didn't I didn't pick up on that. I was like, empathological fallacies. I wonder oh. what the hell that's trying to... But it's like, oh, empath. it's like pathological, but empath. It's like, okay, I, oh, yep. haha, I see what you're doing. <laughs> Very clever, Mike. <laughs> the official synopsis reads, The hedonistic outlook of a Betazoid delegation infects the crew, which that's actually a a lie that's a yes. dishonest synopsis that's that's not what happens that was the red herring that turned out to not be true so so thank you synopsis i can never i i, I cannot believe it's better than actually that... telling the real thing though i mean you don't want it to well yeah, yeah i don't i don't want spoilers and in fact i avoid looking at stuff like that before i watch the episodes but yeah yeah Par- paramount plus marketing just can't be trusted <laughs> first first they take away prodigy then they they lie to us no that's not marketing synopsis. paramount no, no no paramount plus marketing didn't do that that is a different. Well, they they did they did call it the home of every episode of Star Trek. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but they they didn't take it away, and that was those that ad campaign was made before everything happened. They didn't come up with a new one that says that. I'm not standing up for them. I'm just saying there is. I since I've worked with them recently, I know about all these different divisions and who or what actually knew or had any kind of input into that, which is very few people, <laughs> which sucks. Aaron. Aaron just said that he's he's actually happy that Prodigy was was taken down and that he <laughs> oh, he he applaud he applauds the great decision of Fer- no that's not that's not what he said. Uh, I'm waiting for my check, CBS. <laughs> but yeah, so th- there are a, a return of Beta Zoids. hadn't hadn't seen a ton of them, and you know, recent that is that is you know kind of a rare species that the Berman era, I guess, uh, paid a lot of attention to, and then kind of we've all kind of forgotten about in like this modern era of star trek there hasn't been much going on with the betazoids other than you know troy shows up every now and then but that's nice pretty to find much... out what happened during the dominion war to them like that would be cool to get some sort of yeah, aftermath there was like that mention and i know like the novels and stuff have touched on that but it'd be cool like just just to see something in canon at least yeah. just like a throwaway line mention something Th- this was a missed opportunity they could have mentioned something here yeah like maybe i don't know maybe these security badasses did something during the the dominion war mm. but uh, but it was cool that they did something with the Betazoids. Uh, they, but yeah, they 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 bring them on. They think that they're just, I guess, ambassadors, delegates. I don't know, so, something like along the lines of like Loxana Troy. It's like fancy, important people that have to go somewhere important to do glorified socialites, according to Stalin. Uh, <laughs> instead, of, instead, it turns out they they are spies. They're trying to gather information on this mysterious threat, blowing people up. And it does make sense. You would use telepaths as spies for obvious reasons. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the episode ends with uh, Freeman, and now the the Cerritos crew are aware of the uh, of the ship that is uh, out on the attack. So we'll we'll see where that goes. It's been said on uh, 
social media a lot. And something we had actually said a long time ago is that it looks like an agonizer, like a floating agonizer, the ship. Yeah, it's I don't think a it little, was like not a ton, but it's it if it resembles anything in Star Trek, it's that so far. Well, it certainly seems to be causing some agony. <laughs> Aaron, since you, you weren't here last week, do you want to yes. give the the first opening statement and just kind of say like your your broad impressions on the episode before we go into the episode breakdown and talk specifics? Yeah, I it's a bottle show, which was great. It was sort of like you know, we got um, oh, yeah. it's the equivalent of a, of a TNG story where they don't leave the ship. But I like it because if you say, if you say it's not high stakes, but at one point they have the Romulan neutral zone. But I don't think they really even needed that um, because we could just get like little slices of these people's personalities. And then by magnifying things, you can also learn a lot about people. So I I and I, I laughed, I think, a lot more than some of the other episodes. I mean, I've liked all of the episodes, just like there were times where it's just like, you know, Talin would say something and I would just. You know, laugh out loud. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Talyn's my favorite. <laughs> Talyn yeah, reminds me of myself in high school who could not understand when people were joking. I think it's like, oh, I have, I know how that feels. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I was, I was kind of nervous when I was watching this one for the first time because when it, it did show the the beta zoids were present and people were starting to get weird around them i was like oh no are we going to do a repeat of ds9's fascination like i just didn't want them to recycle an idea right. from deep space nine kind of like how tng how they did the, the naked now and it was basically just they just recycled the naked time and that's I, I consider that a mistake i think a lot of people probably think that was a mistake but voyager uh, recycled an episode from stargate <laughs> the race well, yeah, well it has happened before yeah. in star trek so i was no, i no. feel like legitimately concerned but then i told myself after after a few seconds it's like wait calm down trust lower yeah. decks this is a smart show they don't do that they so. always or they set it up so you really think it's going to be that and then they flip it on its head somehow or something which they kind of did they did that and, and that was it was a really cool unique way of using the universe which i always talk about i want these shows you know yeah like i'm i'm for like having the canon and the history and the continuity like use that stuff and yeah and here what, what they did instead of instead of being like oh we can't do this because it's like a star trek trope and we have all these tropes that they use too much in this franchise but they kind of use that to its advantage by because you do have like these multiple tropes and like these recurring concepts of like oh look yeah. like the parent shows up with this telepathic disease and it's like yes but it wasn't the telepathic disease parent you were thinking of it was another one yeah. so it was this really cool insidery joke that uh i don't know just it, it felt it felt clever it felt like oh they they were trying to do something uh yeah. with with a very unique spin on it here so i i liked seeing that and, and to lynn was 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 great yes i i feel like even though it wasn't the betazoids i'm very happy that uh, captain freeman even under the guy, uh, the effect of all of these uh, mental rays or whatever, still f tried to figure it out, and it was very close. You know, it's like okay, you know, I basically it, it, you came on board. This is happening. There's a connection, as opposed to Picard, who might be like, I don't know what's going on. What could this possibly be? And Deanna would be like, I sensed pain. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I I really appreciate. I think at one time she she, she yells, I am good at my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like nice just, to see her competent, validation. Guess, like, yeah, you are up to something. I was right to suspect you. Yeah, so I I really liked that. the B story stuff. The like everything with Boimler and like the security mm -hmm. team. It was, I mean, that was like it's, it's hokey and kind of corny and silly, but it was still heart touching. It 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 yeah. kind of made me tear up at the end. It was, it was, well, it, it I, I, I love Shaq. Like it's not just security 
physical security. It's also, you know, the person's mental well-being, which is that's really cool. Yeah, it was nice to Holistic see that view. side. <laughs> Boimler said. You kind of like flesh out his personality a little bit. And he's not just, you know, the big dum-dum who wants to. He's actually pretty cool. He's like, oh, like this Bajoran anti-fascist who fought this revolution against the Cardassian occupation. Now he's kind of like this Zen badass who like. You know, yeah, he can be like the cool dude who blows everyone up, but he can also just be like the chill guy making pottery. But 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 speaking of, you know, my my appreciation of, of how the show was using the universe, I do think mm-hmm. that it they, they no one ever tries to do cool beta zoid stuff. And I think part of it is it is hard. Like telepaths are pretty OP'd. It's the term that the kids use these days, but like they're they're too like overpowered. Like, how do yeah. you cause problems for them? They'd be able to to overcome everything and stuff. But I really applaud Superman the, in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, like, what do you? Yeah, how how do you create obstacles for a, a character when you give them such a such a uh, a capable power set as like their their default yeah. to operate off of? But I, I I think it was I think what they they did here with these three gals was was cool. there's like one thing in here where I'm like, well, that's kind of stupid. But uh, everything else is so much fun. It's pretty easy. There's, to well, I, there's, there's one thing that I don't know if it's the same thing that I'm thinking that was kind of stupid, but it also messes with the beta canon that we were creating for the, the RPG game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the one joke I'm surprised they didn't do or, or somehow, like you'd have all these gaps of time where they're just thinking to each other and they're kind of making faces and stuff like that. I would have loved to have seen like a pullout and suddenly everybody's like, what are they doing? You know, just like a... <laughs> Somebody's just like smiling there and not saying anything. Oh, it yeah. Be, it, it could have been really a funny. There was a, I think it was Lois and Clark once where it was Clark doing his super hearing, but from Lois's point of view, and it just looks like this weird distracted guy kind of just wandering <laughs> off. So I thought that was really funny. It's like, okay, that could have been, could have been played with here a little bit. Nice. Or they could even well, say guess- like, we know you're thinking to each other. <laughs> Let's get to our uh, episode breakdown. Just, uh, yeah. Starting off with the uh, the mission to escort the the three Betazoids from Angel One. They pick them up at Angel One because they have the, their drinks have like an Angel One sticker on them. I know it's, it's kind of taking funny. them That's to like, rise. Reminds up. me of like the the awards for like little kids or you know like number one soccer player or whatever. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. These these drinks they remind me of in in Vegas. You can get like the the big mm-hmm. frozen drinks. That I've seen in, like, people these... carrying those around. Yeah, I've seen those at uh, at the STLV conventions, especially. That's probably why the in here. <laughs> Maybe yeah, because when the convention was at ba- Bally's, the weird hotel last year, <laughs> they had a bar that served drinks in these there at that hotel. So they were they were very popular there. Could be, uh, but I guess they they set up Talen's dilemma here, where I guess like the, like these Betazoid gals, they're like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like, oh my god, I can't handle these illogical non-Vulcans. Please, I'm writing you this letter in distress. Please let me come back. I've learned my lesson. I promise I'll be a better Vulcan. So so she's in like like peak distress, which is funny because it does seem like how Locks on Troy comes off as well. Yeah, I mean, like she is like. No pun intended. Like she's like literally like treated as royalty. Like like she's treated as like like a member of like the royal family in in real life or something. You know, it's like you're okay. You're like really important, even though like you don't really like do anything. But we're just she's just, a, like supposed to be an important Paris Hilton person, but older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, but I, I, I like the, the twist we get here where it's like, oh, they actually, uh, they actually do have some value to them. They're not like worthless Waxana. And I know, I know like Waxana eventually has some stories that, that that show her there's merit to her character as well, but. But they would be really for a, uh, security team or a, a, you know, an infiltration that they're the perfect people for that because they just wander around and listen to people. (laughs) Yeah, like what's like what's like a Star Trek character archetype that you would you know you would not suspect of being any threat? It'd be like, oh yeah, like a Luxana Troy type, yeah. you know, no one, no or somebody gonna... from Riza, <laughs> but going to Riza that makes sense. Yeah, the plan, the their destination and uh, point of origin are, are interesting choices as well, and I, I love mm-hmm. that like their kink is that like they want the command officers that are going to play hard to get, mm-hmm. and so they're like, oh no, ransom, you're too too easy. Uh, but, the, uh, the, who the knows? All Picard had to do would like try to go after her, and then maybe <laughs> not that they'd be the same. The uh, the blue dress one, Kathy. She's the uh, she's particularly thirsty of the yes. of the, the three. The actress's name who does the voice is Wendy Malick. And then I guess the uh, the the leader, the wed the red dress one, Dolorex, seems to be the leader, and then the uh, yeah. the other one is uh, Katrat in the uh, beige dress. Um, I, I laughed out loud when they were in sickbay and uh, Dr. Tiana like grabs one of the drinks and is like, oh, time for surgery. <laughs> like, Pounds it's kind it of dumb, but yeah. Yeah. They, but the the idea. So did Cations and Betazoids, they, I don't know, like the term ancient in Star Trek. Yeah. Like, it's just like a few hundred years can be ancient. Like they'll, right. they'll call like 20th century television. They'll call that like ancient entertainment, right. you know, so. But yeah, I don't. I don't know like when the uh, the Betazoids were being hunted by the Cations. Yeah, I mean, literally, you know, obviously, there's not a ton of canonical information, but like pulling together all of the information for the Kazinti and the Cations and figuring all that out, it's like the the Cations are the less violent, you know, more uh, social group. So to have them be the ones that went after the Betazoids is weird. So that's why I'm like, okay, I have to figure out how to wrap my head around that one and how long ago that was but that's the one weird yeah. thing to me is so like oh, okay that was dumb <laughs> that actually like that didn't bother me i kind of I, I did think it was it was weird but i just kind of like having like that it lore. just made a like, dumb oh, joke like, like the, the whole beta anybody eating anybody is kind of like eh, it's like really low-hanging fruit well i just assume like all cat like aliens are some form of carnivorous yeah but uh, I just I like the idea of like oh like the Betazoids and Cations like these Federation member worlds that we don't know much of like they right. they have they, had a they have like their own histories <laughs> yeah uh, you're kind of like the, you know the Vulcans of the Andorians had like a bunch of interactions apparently and, right. and you know they didn't like each other and and stuff like that so it, it, to me like it kind of felt like more like we're getting more of that backstory on them yeah and Cations have uh, like synthesized Betazoid meat which is like that's disturbing. Yeah, that that part is, I guess, like a little weird. Maybe like, that's um, a joke on her. It could be the, you know. I think some of that stuff was joking. Although she yeah. did seem to be like uh, sincerely like wanting to appetize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she's like literally like licking her lips and stuff, and like burns billups on accident when she's trying to treat him and stuff. So he looks like he's there's, been doing crunches. <laughs> yeah, he's always ripped. Uh, and I, I, I don't know the status of like Romulan ale. Is it legal? Is it illegal? Like they can never make up their mind on if yeah. it's been legalized in the Federation or if it hasn't. I remember uh, at Troy's and Riker's wedding, it wasn't, I believe. I think they said they told Worf like that's why it's illegal or something. 
Worf says Romulan L should be illegal, oh, yeah. and then Jordy says it is. Yeah, but yeah. before that, in uh, season seven of DS Nine, they're like, "Oh, well, uh, the embargo's been lifted." And Romulan yeah, but L's I can see that happening now. just during the Dominion War, just during the war. Yeah, where I was thinking, like, okay, it's legal in the Federation, but it, it's like on Earth specifically, it's not legal. Mm. Which makes me wonder how strong this thing is. And there has to be different drinks in the galaxy that would be similar. And why aren't they outlawed? Yeah, is, it, is it outlawed for health reasons or is it outlawed because of like political, like, you know, as a Cuban cigar, it's just, right. it's outlawed because of Cuba, not because of right. anything within the cigar. Yeah, maybe. But I don't, I don't know. It's the one of those things of I think it, we're not but... supposed to think too hard about. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Katrad has a hat that says it's Romulan yeah. L o'clock, o'clock somewhere, somewhere is like. Oh, that's kind of a, uh, I'm sure it was unintended, but kind of, kind of plays as a Jimmy Buffett tribute now. Yeah. Kind of the whole, like, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. I am surprised. Well, okay. If if Star Trek marketing was up, and like, we'd have Rachel on for this conversation because we've had that many times. Like, that hat would have already been available for sale, like, when this episode came out. Because someone would buy it. I don't know if I, I guess I kind of want to buy it. I don't know if I would ever wear it. Wear it yeah. <laughs> well, that's the same with, like, I have the Kirk is a Jerk shirt. That I don't know if I'll ever wear, but it's fun to have like in the background of a video or something like that. I think I would wear that at a convention. Well, yeah. I don't know if I'd wear this hat at a convention. I, f- I feel like people are more likely to wear that shirt than wear this hat. Yeah, but, but it is fun. I would I would want it as well. I, at least at least give me the option. Yeah. When they're they're partying in the, the Cerritos bar, I guess they you don't it's hard to tell the first time you watch this. But when you go back and watch it the second time, they actually do a good job of they don't show anyone getting too crazy in there until like Talyn comes back. And mm-hmm. it's you know, it's clear that they're like, oh, it is coming from her. She's the reason why they get they get too carried away. But I, I was suspecting Xanthi fever as well when I when I was watching yeah. it. But I, I don't know. What, what was your reaction to, like when the people start getting crazy at the Betazoid party? Well, my first reaction is like, okay, this is the Betazoids. But then, given how simple that was, and the fact that also Captain Freeman thought the same thing, and then halfway through, I'm like, okay, it's got to be something else. I don't know what. And I, I honestly did not think of Talyn at all. Especially because she mm. doesn't seem to be suffering from any kind of external signs of distress or anger or anything. You know, she just she's just Talyn. Like, except for maybe being, you know, frustrated by the not being able to send a, a message, but that didn't to me that didn't warrant everything that was happening on the ship yeah it's you know in a way it's like because they were partying on the bar with the betazoids i guess that was just like oh like this ri- ridiculousness of all you non-vulcans that yeah. like pushed her over the edge yeah and that too it, in turn that's what made her bendy syndromeness like make all of them dial it up to 11 and like yeah. make all of their emotions go haywire so it's like, like the moment, I guess, like when, when Mariner is like bugging her in her quarters, like, hey, Talyn, do you want to come to the Betazoid party? Like that must have been like when she's trying to like transmit the message and keeps getting like the, the signal blocked. That must have been when like her bin die yeah. stuff like, like turned on. Did you notice crazy. that this, they mentioned like, you know, come, come have some chocolate, get crazy. Cause there's, it's, it's a fan. I think it's a fan thing or it's maybe been hinted at in the books or something that Vulcans get drunk off of chocolate. And that cocoa uh, beans can be. Like, I didn't deadly. know that. Yeah, that was like so. That was kind of a neat little nod okay. to something that isn't canonical. It's probably something more in like like the uh, probably like the books of like the seventies and eighties when Somebody there's like a lot of like that... weird stuff like that. They got yeah. cooked up, and some of it some of it stuck, and then some of it just didn't. Right. Some people said that Quark had made some sort of reference to chocolate and Vulcans, and then somebody else said, "No, you just remembered it wrong. It was port wine as opposed to chocolate or something." So I don't. Mm. I couldn't remember him 
doing that specifically. He did try to seduce a Vulcan, the <laughs> Maquis woman who is trying to buy weapons from him. But I don't know. I don't remember. Did, he might have offered her chocolate. I don't know. But I think I just thought it was kind of a fun little uh, background bit. Yeah. Well, Talyn doesn't drink, but I guess she can get crazy on the chocolate fountain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when she walks back in, though, like as soon as, soon as she sets foot on the end of the Cerritos bar, like they're already like affected by it because yeah, like uh, right. Ransom is crying. You got people <laughs> making out. You got Miglimo throwing his bowl of soup back at the replicator and yelling at it. And he really cracked me up when he says, uh, en- "Enjoy life in hell, replicator." Or whatever. <laughs> he, like then he shoots. He like literally pulls out a phaser and shoots it. Uh, but but it's actually Mariner of all people who's like uh like I don't know we might be getting like a little too crazy I'm 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 a little too hyper right now. Yeah. Is everything weird? Is everybody yelling? He's like this crew is always weird and yelling. Yeah, and it, it's funny to me that <laughs> like so Talyn doesn't notice at first, and it's yeah. like like when she says that there's like a beach ball bouncing around behind her with <laughs> well, the Starfleet like, Delta on it. <laughs> yeah, pe- people are that. dancing on tables, and it's like yeah, in her mind, this. it's like is this in her mind, it's, it's just like this all the yeah. time. It's like these are what like non-Vulcans are always <laughs> oh, like to no. her. Like this, this is what she thinks of all of us. So, so here's another similarity. I didn't think of this before, but I, I've I've pointed out a couple times how they, uh, you know, they they keep reminding us of like the similarities between Freeman and mariner and we mm-hmm. get another one here where they seem to be the only two that are affected and kind of self-aware yeah because because freeman figures it out and is trying to like regain control of the situation you know when barnes is like i'm gonna take us yeah. out of warp so we don't get to rise it too soon and then and she then, gets upset because everybody booed her <laughs> yeah and she's like wait you can't boo your captain yeah and she's like why do i care <laughs> yeah why do i even care about that like why why would that offend me like yeah. why would i take that seriously and so well her, i think it really shows mariner also the... mariner's growth too just like yeah Mariner in first season would be on the tables with everybody else, too. Yeah, so she actually is, like, trying to be, like, a good crew member and a good daughter and, like, help her mom and help Talyn and help be solution-oriented. Okay, let's get the Betazoids to sickbay. Let's diagnose them. Scan them for the Xanthi fever. (laughs) I I laughed out loud when she was like, I I think all of these, whatever she said, I think all of these, you know, crazy assholes, including myself, should be locked up in the brig until we we calm the F down or whatever. Tawny knew someone's delivery of all of that like i could just picture her in the booth having a lot of fun with all of this that's why i think this that's why this made me laugh so much because everybody's lines are just sort of like over the top a little bit but but very there's a lot of funny they're like the xanthi fever stuff when you get all like to anna it's like you you okay like at at one point in the in the beginning she was clearly joking when she's like oh i didn't know there's gonna be a buffet today like like clearly meant as a joke yeah and And then by the end doran took it as a joke too yeah and then by the end she legitimately wants to eat them so it's hard to tell like at what point did like that line get crossed you know did it go from like being a joke to being serious it's funny to me that we can't really tell when but yeah when she's diagnosing them in sickbay you kept getting like all these like oh yeah like no pathogens in this tasty morsel either and and all of that stuff and then like the whole like xanthi fever joke about like they're offended they're like we're not old enough for xanthi fever (laughs) that was great basically menopause <laughs> yeah uh, which was the i guess like the and the, the dumb thing is like that wasn't even like the first like betazoid menopause thing yeah that, they, like star trek came up that. with yeah but it's like the that's like the the the, the joke of the betazoids like oh what do we know about betazoids it's just like oh like these horny old hags like loxana troy and it's and i guess that's, i think that's it's part of like, like some why of these they... people didn't know how to write women characters <laughs> but i think it's also part of like why the betazoids didn't get like really fleshed out or anything yeah. and why they didn't do i mean every, i know every now and like we'd have like suitor and voyager there's uh the betazoid and tin man or the betazoid and the drumhead and 
but I mean, really, like, how many more examples are there beyond those? And again, like, it was all like Burman era stuff. It's like no one since then has really done much with yeah. Betazoids. I actually really liked Voyager. That was that was kind of interesting. It was a neat idea, but that wasn't really and, necessarily um, him being Bajoran specifically. Or Betazoid. Betazoid, but, I mean, sorry. But when they, when they do the reveal in Sick Bay, when they, you know, they drop, they yeah. drop the cover act, and and they they take off the dresses. And they, I don't. What do you think about like this this reveal when the like the lipstick turns into their <laughs> nightsticks or whatever? I I get why we needed it for the show, but it was a little bit like okay, this is another element that we did not need to add to it because things were a little goofy already. Like not goofy, but just getting complicated. I guess there's just a lot going on, and you know, you've got. A whole other B plot that we haven't even got you know, talked about. So, but I, I still think it was fun. I just, and I really did like the idea of a Betazoid intelligence agency. It's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it, it did the storytelling thing that I that I love the most, and that's where okay, this is kind of a silly idea, like the old Waxana Troy thing. From I was like, oh, look how annoying she is, and she won't stop hitting on the captain and all of that. Like, okay, what if like we we take that and. We kind of embrace it, and then we're like, oh, look, you can have all of that and be, like, this really cool Betazoid badass on top of it. So it's like, we're, we're not going to be embarrassed of this thing. Instead, we're going to we're going to reframe it or relens it. Uh, so I, I, liked, I liked that. Yeah. And, and just the visual comedy of, like, the, I guess, like, their action outfits. But they <laughs> actually seem practical. You know, like, yeah. the, uh, the fancy dresses and everything are not great for... But they're Action, just like the think so. They're just basically part of that dress, though. To take off the bottom, you know the. Yeah, I sort of seen that in something from, well, you know, like a fantasy novel or something like that, where it's just like the heroine just turns instantly into like very practical clothing. I and I like the idea of the the lipstick baton thing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, that that seemed like a bit much, but I, I like that. Oh, they're actually like really good at at being these security people, and yeah. they are able to take over the ship and. You know, when when they they aren't undercover, they are pretty serious and good at their job. Um, yeah, and they're still funny. But like, with, I thought it was cool how they're using like their Betazoid telepathy to take over the bridge, and it's like, oh, the two of you are actually attracted to each other. And they're <laughs> like, well, you know, now that you mention it, uh, <laughs> maybe they didn't even uh, know. <laughs> that's Castro, right? That was a uh, that was Ensign Castro, so she got so. promoted to lieutenant. Yeah. So, so some of the other uh, some of the other ensigns are promoted as well. Did somebody say like Jet was demoted, like he lost a pip or something? Well, in season one, Jet was a lieutenant, and then in season two, he's an ensign. And oh. but he says like, "Oh, that was just a piece of corn." So, oh, okay. Well, they retconned he was always an ensign, just with a piece of corn on his shirt. Oh, so. I see. <laughs> but uh, th- that was that was a because I thought we saw him in the... the bar or something like that with like the wrong pips or something. But maybe I imagined that. No, he's he's been an ensign since season. Okay too but yeah when he was in the uh on the collector ship uh Kayshawn, his eyes open they they needed him to be the same rank as mariner for that story to work right when they're they're on that away mission together yes. and they have to escape the museum together and he was kind of like becoming like the replacement boimler and then boimler came back and they were like oh we're gonna hang out with him instead of instead of you <laughs> and we also <laughs> wondered kinda, if like because when up. we didn't know Shax was coming back that like oh maybe he'll become the security chief because they kind of they were sort of setting that up in uh crisis point a little bit yeah, well, they, they introduced uh, Kayshawn in that episode as the new security chief, which was then kind of weird because then no, I know, but I mean, came leading up and... to that point is what I was mm. getting to. It's like I was like, oh, he's going to be the security person for some reason. And then they brought. Oh, in yeah, because you see him. Yeah, because yeah, that crisis point episode, he, he like at the end when he's like 
the captain like orders him like throw the holog- hologram captain orders right. him to throw Boimler off the cliff or something. Yeah. But we, we find out here on the bridge when the Betazoids take over that like, oh, like their emotions are all out of whack too. And I actually, uh, I like this. I like this escalation of the stakes. <laughs> 1960s <where> neutral tone <laughs> map, which is hilarious. <laughs> I like that too. But but speaking of it being something from the 60s, I, like, I was like, okay, this is a creative choice that's more like TOS than TNG to me in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And where... I feel like the original series always remembered, not always, but it often remembered to ratchet up the stakes. And, you know, normally if you yeah. look at like a TOS script, it is like a pretty good example of, of pacing. Um, mm-hmm. That is you know, pretty like well-structured television. And you would, you would have like the stakes get more serious, you know, building up towards the climax. And it's something like I wish TNG would have done like a bit more when TNG would kind of get wrapped up around like this concept. And then, well, let's look at it from this angle and then we'll look at it from this angle and then we'll look at it. We'll have a conference. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like, no, like you, you should have something where like, you have to figure this out quickly because something's going to blow up or someone's going to die or, you know, there's like a a continent. That did happen with the the time loop where it kept happening. (laughs) They didn't figure it out in time. Yeah, like, and, and sometimes TNG got it right, but I just feel like it was something like TOS was better at, and I and I yeah. like that here. It's like, oh, like the the crossover into the neutral zone would actually be terrible; it would probably lead to the destruction of the ship. So uh, we thought that we were just being taken over by these Betazoids, but it turns out it's even worse than that. We're being taken over by the Betazoids, but they're going insane also. So, and I think for a twenty-two minute show, you kind of need something more like this rather than the whole drawn out. Let's carefully investigate yeah, some, this something immediate kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this works. Yeah. Something that, you know, the audience can can comprehend quickly. Uh, just my problem with it is it makes absolutely no sense that somehow going from Angel One, there'd be like a shortcut to go through the neutral zone. Like there's. Yeah, I, yeah I, that seems strange. That like that Bandai syndrome coming out of Tillin like really messed up their brains to make them think that was a, <laughs> that was a good idea. It's the only thing. Maybe that's what of. it was. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. I don't know what else that could have uh, could have caused that, but I'd have to look at a map and figure out where those things are. But they don't tend to do radically incorrect like things with the maps and placings. The, lately, this is, it seems like this is radically incorrect. But this there's one is no yeah. way to there. There's no way that that would have gone to. Uh, also, space is three dimensional, and they don't seem to remember that most of the time either. <laughs> yeah, maybe like they're they're going like through the neutral zone but they're actually going like under romulan space yeah because somehow maybe there's like there's a secret like air hole there that takes you to betazoid i don't know or Or is it like airspace rights where it's like it's you know only so far above the ground it's it's owned by so-and-so and and then above that it's you know whatever like for airports or countries yeah they're they're just they're just got their brains scrambled from talen's bendai syndrome Uh, let's talk about the the B story stuff for a little yeah. bit. Um, just I guess like the stuff before like the red alert when they spring into action, which is uh, I guess Boimler's um Boimler's dilemma where he's I guess as, now as a lieutenant he feels he's obligated to know the names of every, everyone on the ship. Seems weird. Yes, those people he was naming they're all characters. They're mm-hmm. all like known characters in the show. So I guess Merp is a um species maybe? Yeah, I or a common this, family name. <laughs> there's been this alien species on the show since season 1 that they they've never said the name on screen, I don't but I guess they're called Merps, but cuz we had Big Merp in in 403 in right. the Cradle of Exelon. 
so, but I guess, you know, the animators must have names for them. You know, you have to label the file something on the Titmouse computer. But the name was in the uh, the episode with the uh, Pandronian that, where they ran the drills. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You, it so was they had, the so the, the Merp name came from yeah. from there. So I don't think they ever said it until Boimler called them Big Merp in uh in that sleepy merp is a weird excellent yeah but yeah and it's weird that he's like uh come on it begins with an s but okay sleepy merp but okay that's kind of silly but then the the, uh he he was the perfect candidate for rutherford's uh program which is kind of funny given that he was part of the that other program with the the um the boy and amigo thank you yes he was part of his his project as well (laughs) Yeah. Um, so th- this one a bit less sinister, but yeah. It's, <laughs> but the it's lighting all, it's becomes sinister. I like uh, that. <laughs> just all Shaq's trying to give Boimler a day off. Yeah. With uh, slam poetry <laughs> and uh, it's all like security themed things, but I don't like it. It's weird that like uh, this is what they all do for fun. They're like this is what they would think like Boimler would want to do for fun, but I don't know. I guess I guess Shaq's is a school of security. It's like it. It is very like. I, don't know. I, 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 Zen is the word I keep wanting to go to, mm. but they're kind of like, 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 like a Zen, like samurai who can like, you know, he like lives in like a life of like peace and balance and nature. And, and then he can just be like this, like badass warrior when he needs to be or something. <laughs> I, I keep bringing, I, I somehow find a way to bring this up uh, a lot, but uh, in our improvised Star Trek show, our security guy, Bodie Cooper was one of the, like this Zen kind of like really centered kind of guy. So it's just like this, there's little bits and pieces in here that remind me of that was just kind of fun. We had a hobbled is the name of the security officer, the sub a woman mm-hmm. uh, security officer, but she's, she's the one singing the, the wharf poem. Yes. Oh, she's not singing it necessarily. She's well, I could kind of, sing. I guess. Okay. Reciting. Yeah. 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 That's true. You don't, you don't sing slam poetry. You slam it, I guess. Right. Is that the is, yeah. is slam the, the verb and in, in slam poetry? It's gotta be. Right? This reminded me of last season, uh, the, the, when they're at the deep space nine and Mariner and Je- uh, Jennifer, are in the, the salon and they're doing the, the poetry. Oh yeah. It's kind of yeah, like that. that. Was, uh, that was terrible. Yeah. That was worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would say it, it honestly is a bit too similar to that. Yeah. I mean, they probably the... should have done something other because what was the uh yeah there is some type of poetry there's some type of poetry reading in that yeah it was it was it was about the uh like i lived uh, i am the enterprise or something like that i can't remember yeah exactly. it was castro castro yeah. about like the the uh am i in the enterprise or is the enterprise, enterprise in me yeah because she served on the enterprise at some point probably the e i guess but yeah. Uh, Boimler did pretty good on the charades, like guessing it was uh, Odo. But it's like, okay, yeah. When when Kayshawn's making the motion of like diving into a bucket, it's like, okay, yeah. That if it's security <laughs> officer charades, I guess that should be obvious. Right. But I wonder if if Chekhov would be in there somewhere because eventually he becomes security. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because he there's otherwise because you know that Malcolm Reed is the one they have in the box, but it's right. like he would be kind of the more iconic, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. security officer since there wasn't. Because uh, when people think Chekhov, they probably don't think security. They probably are more likely to think navigator. Yeah. How tall must uh, Shaxx be? Like we've <laughs> we've seen Boimler in live action. He's but he's he a shrinks tall back. Man. Yeah, but he changes his his height changes when he, back when they come back. So I don't know. When he goes to the twenty fourth century, he yeah. he's uh, smaller. I guess. Did you, yeah, he'd have to be like what seven and a half feet tall for that to work. Probably. Yeah. Chax. I just assume the uh, the the animation style does not reflect like 
scale correct. I mean, like their eyes wouldn't be like that percentage <laughs> of their face. And, well, that was and, that was the joke at the end either, of the so. live action one, where it's like, "Are my eyes huge?" And it goes blink, blink. Yeah, <laughs> like, she plays it. Right. So, so yeah, but it did look funny. Just uh, Boimler, little little ass Boimler, crawling around on shacks. But poor Boimler, he th- he thinks he's about to like learn like some. He's like, "I'm about to become a man. I'm gonna learn like shacks is gonna teach me like all the secret fighting moves." And instead, he's just putting together puzzles and getting his tarot card reading and not doing any of the exciting stuff he wanted to do. Speaking of tarot cards, I got this a couple weeks ago. They have, and these came out in 2020, never knew about it. They are TAS tarot cards. So there are apparently 22 original tarot cards and there are 22 episodes of TAS. So each episode is a card. Is that, is tarot cards supposed to be 22? Is that like the a bit, a bit? Apparently, it's like a version of it. Is it's oh. like the maybe it's the oldest one, or I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a huge enthusiast, but it came in a little box with even kind of got the delta that's more triangular. So that is cool. I didn't yeah. I didn't know anything about that. I, I've seen and they have I've TNG someone... and they have all the other. I think they have the other okay. One. I've seen the original series ones, but I didn't yeah. know they did any of the other shows. I didn't know that they did the animated series. That's really cool. It's funny. I sent it to Dayton Ward. He goes, I don't think this is real. And then I sent him a link. He's like, oh, okay. I guess it is real. I don't remember seeing this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't feel so bad now. If, if you didn't see it, I didn't see it. And that's that's yeah. cool. Who did but yeah, see I it? love the I love their tarot cards. They're great. And is it just me or does the lettering seem to be made up of people? Like kind of stand like do it's hard to tell there, obviously. It almost looked like people doing like gymnastics or something. Oh. Like two people. Like when you like like when I was in high school, we were the Rockdale Tigers and during football games I'd like run out on the field and like spell tigers with my body like a cheerleader. Yeah. Like, well like the O looks like cool. it's got one person doing the the top part of the curve and another person being the bottom. Like yeah. almost like gymnasts or something. So it's like but I maybe don't know if that was the point or if it's just it, the way it's drawn just sort of looks like that. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. I always love that, like just the little graphic design elements that they add to things that don't necessarily need to be designed that much. Yeah, it looked like something that you would actually like see on a shelf in a store. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that looks like it could be official Star Trek merchandise. That looks like, it looks like something that I might would one day be able to go to StarTrek.com and click add to shopping cart. Well, if you notice that the the angle on this, I mean, it's, it is similar-ish to this is the, their actual branding, the way they do that. Yeah. So they might have been... 45-degree angle across. Yeah. They might have been uh, trying to kind of mimic that. The exciting world of boxing <laughs> graphic design. That's what you come here for. <laughs> Who needs story? Let's talk about the, uh, the I guess, the reveal of Talyn as the cause of the problem. Yes. Um, you know, the, the Betazoids tied everyone up in sickbay, but Ta'ana's Betazoid hunger, I guess, uh, drove her to break free. Ah. So, <laughs> but that, uh, that allows uh, Mariner and Talyn to see on the tricorder, like, oh, the actual, like, psychic interference is coming from you, Talyn, and it's it's Bendai syndrome. And while, while that's going on, uh, Freeman's able to divide and conquer on the bridge, though, and turn the, I guess, use the Betazoids' uh, cattiness against one another to... To turn them on one another. But, uh, well, she remembers uh, Dolorex being called a, yeah. sa- a sanctimonious, sanctimonious buzzkill by Kathyu. Yeah. And that, that created enough distraction for her to hit the red alert button. That was very smart of her to do that, too. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as she does that, like, you know, the security team scrambles and kind of the rest of the ship is kind of uh, put on notice. But they they have the Tindy and Rutherford. You know, they don't get much to do. They're kind of the, the I mean, they become the bad guys because, you know, Star Trek brain altering weird anomaly thing so they they get to be the bad guys in this episode when they're they're kind of the mob chasing to live yeah. with uh 
torches and pitchforks, but they, they're kind of sidelined with, I guess, like the, the addition of Talyn. I do feel like we're getting maybe slightly less Tindy, slightly less Rutherford this season. Yeah. But I, I don't like... mind. I, I love Talyn so much. <laughs> we still gave Tindy a big episode last week, and Rutherford yeah. got a ton of, of substance added to him in season three. So I, yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like the bases are covered well enough that it's not, not yeah, a Yeah, if there issue, were like but... 22 episodes a, a year and, you know, Rutherford got that one. Yeah, that would be like, wait, what are you doing? But since there are only 10 episodes per season, and it doesn't feel that long ago, back in the story-wise. Yeah, and, and in-universe, just based on the the star dates and you know comments from Mike McMahon, we're, uh, seasons two, three, and four all take place within the same year. Yeah. So, which isn't that crazy. We used to get 26 episodes in a year, so I think we're just kind of doing like, hey, 26 episodes equals about a year on lower decks i think strange new worlds is doing the same thing both seasons one and two both take place in 2259 i might have said one of those numbers wrong sometimes i get like 22s and 23s switched back and forth jill in the chat says i feel like tenderford and mariner boehm's duos have been really sidelined since episode one yeah, mm-hmm. there is some truth to that. There is some truth to that. But we're getting to see everyone have have cool interactions with Talyn in the meantime. Yeah. So, you know, that when the first season of Seven and Nine on Voyager, she does mm-hmm. like she becomes the main character of a bunch of episodes right off the bat. They were really pushing her. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't have the screenshot of Taylor in the hallway. Uh, there's a, a a picture of uh, or a scene just briefly as they're running into the uh, chasing them into that room. Uh, Taylor is like kind of scrunched down in the hallway and uh, Stephen pointed out that it looks like the uh, sad telepath from TAS the way his face looks like yeah he's got the the droopiness yeah going I guess that's on. what Kazinti look like when they're haggard and tired or something like that maybe that's just <laughs> no matter what you uh, whether you're a telepath or not that might just be what Kazinti look like when they're <laughs> they've had it <laughs> they're having a bad day yeah I would I would look like that pretty regularly if I was a Kazinti. So this is not her room, right? No, this they, they said that they're they're chased into a closet. So yeah, and then when they're... but when they break through, Rutherford's like, "Why are we at your door?" So it's sort of like, "Oh, wait." I think he's just saying that because maybe he didn't know where he was at. But it was sort of like it was weird. It felt like a yeah didn't quite match. It's not the same. I keep saying set as if it was like shot in, in live <laughs> action, but it's, it's not the same right. background. It's not the same background as is when she was in her quarters earlier. Right. I guess I, sh- I should say background and not set. Uh, but what what I, I like, though, is that like the climax of this episode just comes from Mariner and Talyn's conversation. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, Talyn opening up, showing her vulnerability, just being like, yeah, like Sokel was right and something's wrong with me. And then Mariner being supportive and being like, no, man, fuck Captain Sokol. You're you're Vulcan like you know, Spock's dad. You're Vulcan as a motherfucker. I just I love I love like the comedy of like this very serious Vulcan character just, just saying the line, I I suppose by the transitive property, I too must be Vulcan as a motherfucker. But I just That will I, be I beeped like for drawn to trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I just love that uh 
that's the the emotional climax. It's, it's like this is why Star Trek works better. I, I, w- I would love to get like another Star Trek movie at some point. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'd love to cover one. But uh, th- there hasn't been a movie since 2016 when I started doing text tracks. So oh, I but got the, to cover the, a movie. A new one's coming any day now. <laughs> but it's, it's but like, you know, with a movie, like you wouldn't be able to have like the climax of your story be like just two people yeah. having a conversation and a heart to heart chat in a, in a sitting on the floor in a closet. And in and, and TV, you can do that. And I love that, like I said, you know, if Mariner hadn't been emotionally where she's at now, this all could have gone much worse. You know, she would she would not be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of cool because they're both the Mavericks of their respective. Right. Sh- she's uh, the ships. Vulcan. She's the Vulcan Mariner. Mariner. Yeah. So just the fact that those two have kind of formed a bond and they're, you know, she's helping her in this episode. It was really nice. I thought it was like, it's a good pairing. Yeah. And it was funny. Just like, you know, Tawny's lines, like, like Captain Sukal and and like all of that stuff was funny. This is a rare type of problem that can't be kicked. was funny. Yeah, that Uh, was great. So she's honestly seemed very frustrated at that moment. Like she did a really good job of conveying that. Oh, and the balance thing. (laughs) That was cute when Talyn could, you know, Talyn felt responsible for like, you know, I'm the reason that you're all messed up. And, and when she mind melded with her and was able to like balance her emotions yeah. and, and, but like the line, like, Ooh, being balanced feels pretty good. It's like, <laughs> it would, it would, that would be yeah. nice if someone could come. I like, I want someone to come like recenter yeah. me like that. Like I could have used that this week. And I do love whenever she, uh, Mariner mentions Vulcan, her fi- hands automatically go to make the Vulcan salute on, she on does both the, hands. Yeah. D- don't give me that sassy Vulcan salute. Yeah. But it was, it was friends being supportive to each other is what yeah. is what fixed things. And that's what's really cool about this show is just like that. Like you said, this one that can just be an episode, essentially. But when you don't have like gigantic stakes like TNG sometimes did, you can get these kind of stories, which is really nice. But yeah, let's talk about like the, the I guess like the security team, like when they go into Red Alert. Like I, I like that uh, when Boimler is just like yelling about like, I just want, you know, want some action. And <laughs> yeah. like he's kind of overwhelmed by it when they careful for what you ask for <laughs> yeah well oh that would yeah like you could use that line now like uh be, be careful what you wish for lieutenant because he's a lieutenant now so yeah so it tracks uh but when they they do spring into action so okay like these silly people that you saw like putting puzzle pieces together <laughs> and doing charades and now they're kayshawn looks cool. i don't it's, it's just cool and weird and alien that a tamarian would run like that but it, it's I like, like a like speed it. run in a video game or like I, I, now that we can we can keep using that, like whenever they have you know yep. Kayshawn and some action in the future, they have like a run animation for them now that they can use. Um, it, it's funny to me that Boimler calls a Type Three <laughs> Phaser a big phaser because it's true. They're both just phasers. I mean, it's like I get. I guess it's kind of gatekeepery, but I get like the fan instinct. To, like if you if I heard like a a fellow fan watching this and they were like, "Oh, it's a big phaser," I'd be like, "It's called a Type Three Phaser." <laughs> so it's just like it's like really funny to have like a Star Trek character actually like uh, the phasers, big phasers. <laughs> So the regular phaser can like just completely decimate something. What does the bigger one do? Decimate it faster? Like I don't like. It has a uh, it has a bigger battery. It doesn't doesn't drain oh, as okay. fast. I, I can see that. Uh, I know that's at some actually, point they uh, turned it into like a transporter gun, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that was in uh, in Picard. Uh, but they actually said in in Lower Decks in season one or two. I think Boimler actually says like a the phaser rifle is just the same as a phaser, just like a. Uh, it's just bigger, it, uh, but it doesn't. 
doesn't really do anything else. Yeah. It's just bigger. But that was fun. I like that. And I, I like the <laughs> Tiana thing when, when Shax has to try to like get her under control. Let's do one of our focus exercises from Dr. Miglimo. And she's like, I hate those things. <laughs> she, and she does basically what my cat did to my hand last night. I'm like, ah, it's like, what yeah, are you doing? Rough. Hobbled had the dumb wharf poem, but then yeah. we see that, that she it is worked. so <laughs> calm that her mind cannot be read. Or they're just, they're just reading bad beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the technique yeah uh, but 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 they they stopped the ship from crossing the neutral zone and it, it was funny to see like the frustrated romulans <laughs> yeah i like the those blinking red lights on the the marking the neutral yeah zone. again like it's two-dimensional thinking but it's funny it's like the odds that you would be there to see that blinking red light is pretty pretty low the neutral zone should be like several light years across. Like there should be entire solar systems that exist in the neutral zone. Like ships shouldn't be able to like come right up to the neutral zone and be yeah. like nose to nose. But they always show that happening. Right. So yeah. maybe there's like some segments like of the neutral it, zone that are is it demilitarized? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was maybe. Dave and mine's theory is that like basically like the setup they have in at the beginning of bsg where it's like here's like a neutral spot where we can talk to the right. cylons there there are yeah, like yeah. these little like neutral spots where you could talk to romulans that they yeah. probably set up at the at the end of the war so i guess that i guess that's how we can explain these but yeah i felt felt bad for the romulan crew who just no. they just wanted to get in a standoff with the federation i love ship. the one that has sort of a look of the uh Denise Crosby, Romulan. Oh yeah, there's one with the with fair hair, like like Sela. Yeah. That that is interesting because we typically yeah. don't see that, but we know from like Picard and other shows, that, <laughs> like there's like not all Romulans have like the like you know jet black hair, like right. I just like the bob haircut and everything look very very Sela. And what I was saying earlier about like being able to you know recycle assets on on the show is they mm-hmm. did have a uh, you know they've ha- they've had to show Romulan ship interiors before we've seen like Romulan bridges before. I guess like it would be interesting to go back, back to... and match them and see if they like in TAS it was like maybe because I also saw it enough but it's super easy to recognize okay that's literally this one from this episode that's reused like mm-hmm. five other times. But I don't know, like, it's possible that this is the exact same layout as something from three seasons ago that we saw once, you know, and they just reused it. I guess the first time they showed, like, the interior of a Romulan ship, it would have been in Veritas. But now I'm thinking, like, did we actually see, like, on board the bridge of any of those? We saw, like, the Romulan bird of prey, but I don't think the warbirds, I don't think we saw the interiors on any of them, so. I think the only ones that we, well, we saw the one in Crisis Point. So that was like in the holodeck. Yeah, I think we saw something before. That. Anyway, it's but I'd, I'd be curious just to find out if they if they really reuse it like that or if they just sort of like okay we have we know what this is going to look like. Well, this is how it looked a couple episodes ago. So we have it, reference. The mysterious threat blew up the uh, the yeah. vertical Dideradex. I think it looked like this, but yep. Um, yeah, just just cool that they're able to. You know, it makes it easier to keep uh, using the universe. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Cerritos arrives at Ryza so they can drop off the Betazoids. And then, and then Shax kind of explains to Boimler about how, oh, yeah, we were just looking after your emotional well-being. And that's part of being a security officer on a Starfleet ship. And I just I really liked that message and what that said about yeah, uh, Lord X specifically. But just I, that's something I'd, I'd kind of like to see that reflected more. Like, I'd like to see, like, Star Trek, like, in a more serious, like, live action show. I think that you could still kind of use that concept. I think so. I noticed that no one seemed to, I mean, obviously we didn't have a lot of time at this point either, but no one asked for shore leave 
on Risa. Like, I think they had enough partying at this point. <laughs> yeah, they just all, oh, we just want to have like a, a solid day of uh, of work and then clock out and go home and yeah. sleep on the couch. We're all sure leaved out. <laughs> uh, but they they show Freeman their picture of the mysterious threat. I keep calling it a mysterious threat because that's what Rutherford yeah. was like. No mysterious threats in the season premiere. And then when it cut to the ship blowing people up for the first time. But they, they have like an image, like an outline, like they know like the shape, which, as you were pointing out, Aaron, I guess uh, kind of resembles a original series agonizer from Mirror Mirror. But uh, I think that's more coincidence than intention. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think about like now they're starting to uh, pay attention to this uh, this recurring threat out there? now like the, the the character i guess they don't have like a name to put to it but they i guess they kind of have a face so it's like okay well we know yeah. what this thing looks like we know that it's going around blowing up ships so it's on their radar well we're halfway through we're at episode five yeah. so i would say by seven probably we will have a pretty decent idea because then that will build towards a climax in episode 10 yeah just by pacing wise that's kind of what i'm guessing i i could be wrong but i know that it's something uh, for the finale though like yeah they've there's an episode with Badgie coming up, I think, like in the title. Well, he's in the trailer. He's in the Badgie's trailer. Badgie's in yeah. the in the trailer. So that doesn't seem like it's connected to this necessarily. Um, I mean, if it's someone we know, it kind of has to be Badgie or Section Agamus Thirty One and and, and Bre- yeah. Well, Agamus is locked up, and Peanut Hamper is locked up, and I don't it, like. No, Peanut Hamper got like pulled away at the end of last season, and the, the final that was Badgie. It was Badgy and Rutherford's. Uh, but I thought it was also Peanut Hamper was there. Okay, maybe not. No, Peanut Hamper is locked up in Daystrom and next to Agamus, and Agamus is like her. Maybe they cellmate. figured out a way to control something from there. <laughs> I don't know. That'll be interesting to find out. I know it, it kind of bothers a few people that it's you know like oh you know like just tell us what it is, but it's so little of the. Pl- I mean, it's not. It's it, it would be nice, I guess, if it was tied deeper into the plot. Like the Orion episode worked pretty well because we had an Orion ship in the beginning and that kind of t- thematically tied at least to the rest of the episode. It'd be nice if it was more integrated. But since it isn't, it's also pretty easy to ignore. Like I'm like, OK, we'll figure out what it is eventually. Yeah. It's kind of and I don't even right. know if I if I need it to be more integrated. I'm fine with it kind of being like the separate yeah. thing that's like tacked on there. Like that's like, I, I know like a, a, a cool thing for me as a kid growing up was like in, in Superman comics and they were building up to the reveal of the character doomsday. They would, mm-hmm. they just like end like these, these comics of these Superman stories with this, like showing like this, this fist punching its way through, through it was like through the ground. It was like doomsday is like yeah. underground. He was like digging his way up and it, was just, it would just, and it would say doomsday is coming. And like, no one knew what that meant right but it's just like it was building up to something and it was exciting and part of part of the anticipation was the mystery of like oh i can't wait till they reveal this i'm so. curious when they do reveal it and we figure out what it is if we're going back we would actually go oh that's the giant clue we missed or whatever <laughs> maybe feels like not but that's yeah i feel i feel like they haven't dropped many hints but if they did then it it went over my head so which might might be the case but time will tell we we end with like the moment of of Talen making the decision to stay on the Cerritos, and uh, she hugs Mariner, but won't won't give another hug to Tindy. She's like, "No, I only have one embrace in me." Mariner yeah, took. I allowed it, a so single no. embrace. It's like you have to warn me when these things happen. And then it's like, 
uh, you know, maybe we can go do some potteries. Like, I have no interest in that activity. <laughs> yeah, I feel that a lot. Like, a lot of times people suggest, like, maybe we should go do, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm around a lot of people who like axe throwing. That's like a big trendy activity. I kind of do mm-hmm. want to try that. But I, I do just too. feel like... <laughs> It's here in L.A. We have it. It's called L.A. Axe. Ha ha ha. <laughs> like nice. L.A.X. There, yeah. Uh, and one of my friends uh, worked there for a while, so I think he has like discounts now whenever he, they go. So I would like to try that sometime. Sorry, but you were like, I have no interest in doing it. It sounds like <laughs> I don't. I think I would actually do that, but I don't know. I was, I was trying to think of something that's like like real trendy that right. I actually would like not want to do, but. Um, I just like, like when he sh- Mariner brings the water. And it's like, it's your favorite, you know, cocktails. Like, don't get too emotional. She's like, was I expressing emotion? And then she just, it, and then Mariner just sort of stares at her. And it's like, oh, you were joking. <laughs> like, a good old room temperature water. Mm. My, my drink of her. choice. Yeah. yeah like, give her the most boring, boring beverage possible. But I love that they don't draw out the to Len making the choice to stay on the Cerritos. I, yeah. I've mentioned it several times. I was just bringing it up last week. How like okay, eventually Talen's gonna have this arc where she's gonna make like this realization of like I actually don't want to go back to my Vulcan crew. I want to. Which means here then they will try and take her back at some point, probably. Oh, probably. But you know, now we'll have to deal with the drama of like yeah. Talen fighting to stay on. the I mean, Cerritos. that could be the part of the season finale. Yeah, or she has to make the choice. It's like, which is a very Star Trek staple things like hey Riker, do you want to be a captain on your own <laughs> ship or do you want to stay on, on the enterprise under picard's shadow for another 20 years of your life um i think if you had phrased it that way he might not have like actually chosen that to stay well it all worked out for actually like it didn't work out for him he, he had like the tragic <laughs> death of a son and all kinds of horrific things happened but uh work out for a while yeah he stayed living on a planet that him and his wife both hated uh, for uh, for years. I, I will take their um, place then. I am more than happy <laughs> to take that like cabin and just get away. Yeah, uh, cooking pizza in the forest doesn't seem that yeah. bad to me. But what have? You. But no, I like that they don't draw this out too long. It's like yeah. okay, it's obvious. I saw it coming. But now that we've moved past it, it's like oh, cool. Now what? What does Talyn do next? I don't know. This is yeah. exciting. So very well done. That, happy to that see that. Lower decks does well is like. Okay, this was expected. We knew it was coming, but it was still really engaging to watch. So there's something that to be said for it's. It's almost like a. It's it makes it almost more comfortable in some ways. It's like okay, if you can guess what's happening, it's sort of nostalgic for the TNG era without being so overtly, you know, like season three of Picard. What do you mean? But you know, you get sort of similar. Like we're talking about these scenarios and stuff. They're not exactly the same, but they have a you, you have a feeling of familiarity with it, and then. Like when Freeman guessed that, oh, it's the Betazoids. Um, that's what we thought, too. But it still was fun to watch. Right. Sometimes when people do that, you're like, OK, that was expected. That was boring. Do something different. But yeah, that, it doesn't, I don't feel it doesn't like we play get it too safe. Yeah. yeah. It's like it doesn't. It's, the show, it, it's, it's, it still takes risks. Yes. Which I think is also important. I, want, I like, I like yeah. Star Trek to go bold. Yeah, so if you don't have any other final thoughts, then we can go to the Gorn Egg section. Yeah, I don't. uh, I I really enjoyed it, and I think it was. uh, It's one of those episodes I'm sure I'll go back to every once in a while and just watch because it's a nice little self-contained, you know, fun thing. Yeah, uh, I've I've enjoyed season four a lot. Season three was my favorite season of the first three seasons of Lower Decks, and so far I'm liking season four just as much as season three. Uh, I think I'm. 
because of the addition of Talyn, honestly, I think if this was, if this say had been the end of season four, if it had just been like a five episode season, uh, I, I guess like even with it only being five episodes, I love Talyn so much. I'd be like, I like this just as much as season three. So uh, unless they really drop the ball in the the back half of the season, I think season four is li- likely to end uh, pretty in, in pretty high standings in my book. Yep. Uh, let's go into the the Gorn egg section of the show. These are the Easter mm-hmm. eggs and jokes and continuity connections uh, we thought were worth mentioning. But uh, starting off, yes, obviously having Betazoid delegates, uh, clear cut of callback to Loxana Troy, who would show up to uh, annoy Captain Picard on TNG or Constable Odo on DS9, and then the uh, the locations of of their mission or whatever we, we you know we have angel one the the very matriarchal planet the unfortunate the, clothing planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where they make the men wear these ridiculous skimpy little outfits and uh the, and riza you know the the, the vacation uh, everyone you know runs around like you're you're in i don't know you're on the beach in hawaii basically all day every day um but yeah the, i guess the if you're if you're these older betazoid ladies they're like the go- cool places to go get crunk <laughs> When Boimler was all excited to uh, go into this uh, this program with Shax, he thought he was going to learn Sunkatsu. Uh, that was the sport, the I guess martial arts, the uh, I guess like more like professional wrestling than anything oh, else. Oh, this thing—that's where I heard that uh, name. That, that was the uh, the sport from uh, from Star Trek Voyager. When uh, why would the he Rock... know about that? That seems weird. <laughs> yeah, well, the Voyager is is back in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, so I get, and they're super are... like historically. So, yeah, that's true. They were always scanning. They were always yeah. recording, documenting, talking to people. So well, this was uh, broadcast, so they probably had recordings. Literally. Yeah. Of, of, anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, that was back when uh when Star Trek and WWF both came on UPN, <laughs> and so we had a had a crossover where Seven of Nine could fight The Rock, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a nice uh, reference to the not just to Star Trek the Motion Picture, but to the uh, director's cut, mm-hmm. kind of the the special edition version of the Motion Picture from 2001 that just got like the 4K upgrade last year and 22. Because at one point we just saw just legs and like and not connected to any higher up. It's, I feel like they weren't supposed to crop it like that, but they did in the yeah, original. You, in in Talyn's quarters, you see a painting of the Vulcan statues that were yeah. uh, during the Colonar Colin, sequence in the motion picture when Spock is about to complete his training. And he's uh, him and the Vulcan priestess are, and those monks behind her. They're standing under these statues. Yep. Right before it cuts back to San Francisco or cuts to San Francisco. The uh, Xanthi fever making everyone crazy. That goes back to the uh, Xanthi fever in Deep Space Nine's episode Fascination, making uh, that everyone got horny in that episode. That was when uh, Kira and Bashir got the hots for each other, and Dax was into Cisco, and Jake was into Kira, and oh, yeah, Clark right. was into uh, Keiko. And, but the the Bendai syndrome that was from uh, the Next Generation episode Sarek when uh, Sarek came on board and had to mind meld with Picard because his brain was all out of whack. And then that uh, neutral zone chart that Aaron was talking about that's like a almost identical copy to the depiction of the neutral zone from the uh, Balance of Terror in the original series where you have the uh, the Romulan. The, the Romulan planets are labeled Romulus and then Rom-I for some reason, which is probably at the time meant to be like Romulus 2. Yeah. Rom-2. 
<laughs> yeah, it got squared into like ROM too. But yeah, like we we can assume now as Remus, yeah. but they, they even had it as, uh, as yeah. ROM it's, too. it's funny that they have it. Yeah, exactly. And they have uh, Charon on there, which is oh, yeah. there's the treaty the treaty of Charon, which is the that was like, the final the, battle. Isn't that where the the two colored pe- people come from as well? Yeah, so that's a different Charon because that's supposed oh. to be like the outer galaxy or something. I thought I was like, okay, why well, I didn't realize that it was there, but yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple Rigels, multiple Charons. The uh, oath not to consume patience made me <laughs> laugh, but that 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 is of course a reference to the Hippocratic oath, the whole like oath of a doctor to do no harm, which I only know about because of Star Trek. I learned that as as a kid watching Star Trek, like oh, this Hippocratic oath that they talk about on Star Trek—that's a real thing, I guess, and that's cool. And then uh, I like to keep track of the Kashanism. So we got the uh, so Sokath his eyes open. That's an old one. That's from. Darmok actually uh, been there, done that. But we got a new one here with uh, Carno when his mind was fogged. That's what Kajan yeah. says when when Tiana's in her Betazoid hunger craze. So, yep. And of course, the Malcolm the Reed box. puzzle. Yes, uh, the one the box to, too. Nod to the Malcolm Reed on yep. Star Trek Enterprise. The the box uh, based on you know, very similar to the. Boxes the Bajoran orbs are kept in just a uh, different different shape, but kind yep. of the same. Uh, it even has like a little jewel on the, the top. And then the the tarot cards. Uh, Aaron and I were were looking at these. Oh yeah. So, I don't know, Aaron, if you want to. Yeah. Uh, so we have the emissary, uh, which is Cisco, which is the magician in tarot cards. That one I actually do know. Uh, there's the uh, Borhar Borhara. Something like that. It's the yeah, the, uh, the Bajoran ghost things. Yeah, it's their spirit. There's the orb card that we're trying to figure out why there's ten orbs when there's really nine orbs in reality. Like I'm wondering if that extra means something, or it's just was just an accident. Uh, we have the celestial temple. Some, and... Someone had a uh, copy paste uh, ten or nine times instead of eight times. Or yeah, exactly. Uh, we have invasion, which. Uh, I don't know specifically what that's supposed to be. That's, but uh, I was thinking it's Lee Nollis when he when he fought the uh, the Cardassian who okay uh, yeah been, been bathing in the in the water and it is Cardassian legs. It definitely looks like that. And then there's Derna, which is the Bajoran moon. It's right? the Bajoran moon that the Romulans tried to house weapons on. Yep. in the in 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 the, in the guise of a hospital or something. Yeah, wasn't it? You know, Romulan's gonna Romulan. Yeah. So these are really cool. Actually, I could see them producing something like this and and putting them out for sale. Well, yeah, give us the uh, the lower decks tarot cards. I mean, you got uh, yeah. what five of them right here already designed for you. So there you go. Hey, just just uh, pay the. Uh, I know you don't have to because it's all you know owned by Paramount slash CBS. But pay the uh, <laughs> pay the Titmouse person who designed these and uh, and sell some tarot cards. If you buy T-shirts from them, that money is only through it's Titmouse. It has nothing to do. They don't Paramount doesn't make any money off of that. So if you want to help oh. support the writers and designers and all that stuff a little more directly, you can buy directly from the Titmouse uh, store. I was website. gonna get the Moopsy one, and then I I, yeah. I didn't. I, I like I always like oh yeah I, I have a whole week to buy that. I'll just do it tomorrow. I it's still available. And, like, I never do it. Is I think I think you have to get it like within within a week from the episode airing. I don't think they do that anymore. Maybe I'm wrong, oh. but can you okay. continue and I will uh, I will look it up. 
Uh, well, that was it on the on the Gorneggs. I do have some subspace transmissions. Y'all, y'all just heard Aaron and I talk about this episode for an hour and a half. So we we'd love to hear what y'all think about it. So please uh, comment on YouTube, or you can reply to my tweets on Twitter. I'm on Blue Sky now. I'm on Instagram now. Uh, y'all can also talk to us on the TextRec Discord server or on the TextRec Facebook page. There's links to all of that. But uh, I, I asked people, what did y'all think of last week's episode, uh, Something Borrowed, Something Green? And uh, on YouTube, Opinions No One Cares About said, uh, two, talking about the season premiere episode, Two Vix, that's spelled T-W-O-V-I-X. Uh, two Vix did a good job balancing plot lines, but e- ever since then, the season's episodes have been all about bad subplots dragging down the overall quality of the episode. It's a little wor- worrisome. Aaron, I know uh, you weren't on the show last week, but you yes. said that you had some of those concerns with uh, the B story last week. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know opinions if that's how you, you felt about the B story this week, but I'd, I'd be curious, please uh, let us know. Uh, I, I like this. Uh, uh, opinions no one cares about also said uh, that that makes Tindy a daughter of the fifth house. So I guess <laughs> her being from the, the fifth wealthiest family in oh, the syndicate. Yeah. So she's the fifth house. Like Loxana Troy was the daughter of the fifth house in Betazoid culture. So That's funny. there's another Betazoid connection. And then on um, Star Trek Twitter, uh, Eric said about last week's episode, I'll be hornswoggled. It appears I've been whisked away into the curious world of moving pictures and glowing contraptions known as the television. And I must say I've taken a liking to this particular episode. The (laughs) writing was as lively as a catfish in a frying pan. (laughs) I really, I I think it might've been because I was either getting sick or whatever. It's like, I really, really did not like that plot line that, that last week. And now I'm just like, okay, whatever. It, it's silly. It's still silly. And the, and the, to me, this was something I was going to bring up. It's like, you know, in real life, we don't know what Mark Twain sounded like. However, in Star Trek, they literally do know what he sounded like because he was on the Enterprise. He does not sound like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> so it's like, it's close enough. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, to me, it's just like, okay, that it was a gag that went just a little too long. Which is weird, given the amount of time the, the show is only 22 minutes. There's a lot of different alternatives to Twitter to try to contact us through. If um, I don't know if there's like We're an other one 50 that... million <laughs> accounts now. It's like, who knows? If, if there's like a good site where like people like to talk about Star Trek, then other than Reddit. I feel like I, don't think I can handle Blue Reddit, Sky but... is becoming kind of the landing place for a lot of Star Trek people. I don't. I guess I don't know. Like I don't. I guess I I need to actually like use social media. Like I need to actually like start like uh, posting more. I don't really. I don't really like post much. But I'll I'll try to. I don't know. Just I I'm so like intimidated by like uh, like on Blue Sky. Like just trying to like build a following over there. It's like I. It was so hard just to get people to pay attention to me on Twitter. Now I got to like start all over again. But <laughs> no. if there is like somewhere where like are people people that pay attention to the show like wherever wherever y'all yeah we will go where the people go yeah like i don't know the the text trek audience like where, where are y'all people the, the drawn to Tre- i never hear anything from from drawn to trek so if you listen if you're listening to drawn to trek uh say say hi to me sometime i'd, I'd like to interact with you uh, by the way apologies for not having uh an easter egg video this week i, th- I think we still covered uh oh yeah th- i think we still covered all the fun stuff i have fun doing them trying to beat yorg <laughs> Well, he is quick. Yeah. 
he also just posts whether he's worried about a spoiler or not. So I'm I tend to wait longer than most people just because I don't want to get yelled at. <laughs> but maybe I should just do it. Put a hashtag on. Well, I need to say thank you to all of the uh, the TextFreck uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, y'all make it possible for us to do the uh, the weekly live show. So uh, thank you, Starfleet Sohel, Cake is Eternal, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, John Daw, Geek Filter, Ogre Trekkie, Quarks Bar, Benginium, Stephanie Durantes, Matthew Averett, Braxton, Chuck A, and our anonymous supporters. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week at the usual time, uh, 7 p.m. Central on Friday to discuss uh, Lower Deck Season 4, Episode 6. Six. And uh, we also we also do the uh, first reaction stream on Thursdays with uh, Rachel and the gang over there, so people can uh, check that out as that well. That is very fun. Um, but otherwise, we will see you all next time. And until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.